This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hi, my name is Brian Moyer. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fresh Shop. We power online grocery for the independent. And what I love about the grocery industry is the family and community that's there. And that's kind of a two-phase thing. You know, most of the people that are in grocery are multi-generational. You know, their dad started it or their grandfather started it. And, and now they're running it. And, you know, the new leader is, is a woman. She's a pillar of the community. She's, she's all over that. And you've got that both within the community itself, where it's that family and the local store who's providing that great food and knows the high school team and they're cheering for them. But then you come to the NGA show and you see how that community extends where these multi-generational owners grew up coming to these shows together. And so although these grocers don't really compete against each other, they're, they're 100 miles or 1,000 miles away and they have nothing really to, to be in common as far as the day-to-day. But that family and community of grocery that brings all these people together just makes it a really fun place to be a service provider and be a small part of that. listening to Grocery is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the food and grocery industries. Recorded on location. Hello, everybody. Uh, Mark Rako here on location at NGA, the National Grocers Association in San Diego, California. Uh, glad you're with us. Also, uh, someone I'm glad is with us is Brian Moyer. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, we're very happy to have you here. Uh, when I, you, your, your company is everywhere here at NGA. You are a, a, a pillar sponsor. I don't know what the official name is. But oh, I should have put something on these big pillars. I didn't think about that. They're well, all ne- blank, right? Well, next year, next year, <laughs> next you know, year. Good scouting. Uh, anyway, uh, so you, you just can't miss miss Fresh Hop here. Uh, you've got a big message here. I, I loved what you had to say at the start of the show about it being uh, a, um, a family industry and kind of a family atmosphere, a big family reunion here in a way at NGA. And, you know, I've noticed that time after time with everyone I've spoken to here, literally every interview I've had, someone's been connected to the industry through family. That's what the story is. Uh, So my question to start out is, is when you're here at NGA, other than that reunion or similar events within the work that you do, what is your mission being here? Uh, other than trying to get as many people to know about you and and, and turn them into clients? Well, it, there's a, it's a twofold mission for us now. I, certainly when it started, we actually launched at this show five years ago. Oh, wow. And we had our very first customer, Food Town, out of New York City. Had just gone live in the end of 2014, and we came to the 2015 show. And the, the events here are very educational. They're not sales-focused at all. So the presentation is not by us as a vendor. It's by a retailer. Of course. And so, you know, Noah Katz. Thought are, leadership. and Absolutely. Thought leadership, not talking about, you know, here's my service or how much it costs, but here's how somebody can put something into practice, which is, which is terrific. And so Noah Katz from Food Town did a presentation, and it was the very first one, our first exposure in the industry. And we had a little booth way over in the corner of the show floor as part of a pavilion. We didn't know what to expect. And he did his pitch and talked about how he's successful in grocery. They'd been doing delivery for a long time and, and been really mm-hmm. successful. And I remember that uh, another owner walked up to me on the show floor right after that presentation and said, you know, so I was in the Noah says you're stupid if you don't use Fresh Shop presentation. <laughs> and 
that is, you know, we went from being just somebody who's on the periphery and trying to get in to all of a sudden there was a small cadre of people that looked at us as, you know, maybe new in-laws who, you know, married a cousin and came into the family and started being part of it. And so over the five years, we've grown from that from, hey, we're just a little part of this and trying to grow into the community to recognizing not only as a corporate value of what the benefit of the show has been, which is why we're willing to invest in, you know, the sponsorships and any thought leadership things that we can do. But the joy that we found, you know, we, we had a party last night. We have a bunch of people that get together and nobody was talking business or anything else in the traditional sense. It was that that camaraderie of a bunch of people that are in a business that is super challenging. You know, you got Amazon just opened up a new cashierless store yesterday. You got all these different things that are moving within the industry. And it's fun to be part of this group that's kind of, you know, battling back against Goliath and being super successful and helping in the local town. So, yeah, we're honored to be part of it. Certainly has had a great financial benefit to us as well. But, yeah, it's, it's a really great space. All right. So let's get back. To, thank you. Let's get back to the uh, you're stupid if you don't use Fresh Shop uh, <laughs> argument. What would you say? Fresh Shop is keyed into in terms of what the next generation of the of the grocery industry is. That if someone isn't paying attention to this, they're probably not going to succeed or continue to succeed. Yeah, there's a couple of different things that we focus on there, but certainly as part of how we run our company, we built our platform to be super agile. You look at your traditional grocery store that in your town, they can't make a lot of physical changes. It's too expensive uh, and they don't know where it's going to go. They also have to serve their whole audience. You know, as a digital provider, we can dance. So we can say, hey, listen, you're trying to do millennial and Gen Z. Let's do these tactics on the web. But now you're trying to deal with an older audience who might be mobility challenged or they, they can't come all the way to the store. They don't want to walk through the store. They can't carry heavy pallets. So what we're looking at is six months down the road, two years down the road, what could we do? But most of the time what we're looking at is what's happening in the industry right now. What we can we do quick that lets the little guy jump ahead of the Walmarts and the Amazon of the world? And it's just a joy to be able to do that. And, you know, we'll, I, I remember one time I drove away from a customer. We were about six hours back to Rochester on the drive. Where I'm from. It, it was, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so I was just... driving back to your home and uh, <laughs> oddly from your new home in New York City. And yes. we'd had a customer that had a great idea. And we talked about it. My business partner and I were on the drive back. So he's coding in the car. We're conferencing back to our team. And by, by the, the way, t- welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. Isn't that just the life cycle? It is. And so by the time we got back to Rochester, we were ready to push it to production. And we, we were able to story. call him back up <laughs> and say, hey, you know, go to your search thing and, and click on that now. And he's like, oh. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, let's do that. And, and it's that kind of responsiveness where you can take this really kind of, you know, grocery hasn't changed if you really walk into a store in a really long time. Maybe, you know, barcodes got added in or something like that. But it's still lots of stuff on shelves. You buy it, you walk out the door after putting things in your basket. But the electronic side of that can change so quickly. And I think that's the big evolution that's happened in the last few years for us is e-commerce and online grocery is not just about, you know, click and collect or delivery. It's about how do these grocers and, and the whole community around them, the consumer packaged goods like you know, Kraft Heinz and Post and Coca-Cola, how do they communicate with their consumer with these very rapidly changing tastes? I, I had a conversation. There was a gentleman from Kraft Heinz here, and uh, Mike came up to me at the beginning of the show. And, you know, Kraft Heinz, we know them all for ketchup. You, you, you know what they sell and what they do. 
And he said, hey, I got to bring this by for you. We have a new coconut flavored water. You know, and you see these huge behemoths that are known for doing really core things that are dancing into new areas. And as a digital provider, we're fortunate that we can be part of that and, and play with it and see what works, see what doesn't, and, and move on. So we're kind of the, the quick little nimble company that's helping to make things happen. So, so far here, I know you've been very busy with your own booth and the, the people you've been talking to, but your team in their time here at this particular show, I imagine you've heard things or seen things so far that's made you go, well, that's interesting. Uh, that's something that's happening. That, that's a sign of what's coming in the next year. Uh, or here are new problems we hadn't been thinking about. What kinds of things have you so far seen and heard of any that are making you go, okay, this is where we may be making an adjustment in what we're doing to get ahead of this? I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is the influence and the potential for additional automation. You know, and automation, of course, means a lot of different things. Uh, I'll actually do a thought leadership talk uh, today for okay. 20 minutes on exactly that. And when we're talking about automation for the independent grocer, you know, it's not about the $100 million automated warehouse that's going to move everything around like what an Amazon does. It, if, if you go back, you know, 30, 40 years when barcodes came into place, that was a huge step in automation where that associate at the front of the store no longer had to look and type in the price. They could just scan something through. And we're seeing that kind of evolution there in, in what's happening. So there are a lot of different techniques that are being done to allow a store to, you know, use robotics to walk through the store and see what is out of stock instead of having to have a person walk through and do that. Um, or putting cameras on carts. So when things go into the cart, the camera actually looks and says, hey, here's what you put into the cart. You don't have to scan it when you go out. So I think the automation influence in the industry and, you know, to, to a lesser degree, the machine learning and personalization and artificial intelligence. So let me ask you, with, 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 with all of this very understandable innovation, some of it necessary, some of it, here's a way we can do something more efficiently. How does that start to take away, though, from what makes this industry special? And that's that personal touch, that, that family atmosphere. When you start eliminating the need for a cashier, for example, let's say you do, by that automated cart aspect you were talking about, uh, there goes the local neighborhood grocery store touch that even the bigger places can execute. How do, how do, you, deal, how do you deal with delivering value while not upsetting the apple cart of what makes it special? That's a really good question. And when we think about who's going to get affected by these automation, a lot of people do talk to the cashier and the cashier list. But think about your experience in a grocery store. Do you, know, do you truly have a relationship with a cashier? It's more that you're standing there, they're standing there, you have to talk. That's the, true. That's the it's rare. It's rare that's the dynamic. Yeah, that it's a quality conversation. The relationships in the grocery store are much more about walking up to the meat counter and Mary, who works behind the counter, you know, hands you over this steak the way you like it cut. You don't necessarily even know each other's names, but you recognize each other and you've developed a rapport over years. And that's something in the independent grocer. When we look at the relationships that people have, some of those casual relationships, the the odd thing is, is that e-commerce and online grocery, not just for, for what we're doing, but what we're seeing everywhere else, that has actually increased personalization to a really dramatic degree. If you look at, I'm going to place an order online to do click and collect, and I'm going to pull up in front of the store, and they're going to put my groceries in my car. While that sounds like an anonymous transaction, you know, it's not like Amazon where I don't know who put my stuff in there. Most 
grocery stores put a personal shopper guarantee. They've got a picture and a signed card in every bag that says, here's the person who pulled your groceries. And then we'll see the orders that go in. Again, this should be an anonymous transaction where somebody goes and places an order and they're going to go pick up their groceries. Instead, what we see is there's a note on the order that says, hey, if Joan isn't working today, don't pull my groceries. I'll get them tomorrow when Joan is back. So <laughs> okay. that personal touch is, is kind of we're, we've gone all the way back to the 1920s of Jimmy running down the street with a box of groceries to deliver it, you know, and getting that done. And e-commerce is allowing people to do that. And the thing that's fortunate that is very different from the Amazon experience and everything else is it's not I order a USB cable and it gets thrown on my stoop and I'll just pick it up when I get home. It's much more about somebody is picking great bananas for me and not nice ripe avocados and they're picking out the chicken breast that's trimmed the way that I want it. And then I have to have some level of interaction because some of it's cold, some of it's frozen, some of it's hot. So grocery by its very nature is somewhat protected from the over automation where you get that really sterile Amazon experience. What is your background, Brian? Uh, what, what, what do you what do you hail from that puts you in a position to speak so eloquently about this? So I was actually an intelligence analyst and and was in the army and worked for the National Security Agency. Well, first of all, seriously, thank you for your service. Thank really, you. Really. Uh, and so in the, the late '80s and the early '90s, when DARPANET and the, you know the predecessor to the World Wide Web came out, I, you know I was actually writing web browsers for you know a, a large bank and working on a little bit. A lot of many MIS systems after I left NSA and got involved in the internet really early when it was still like, where is this going to go? And so I was fortunate to see that evolution and, and truly grow up with this technology. And so now as we've gotten to these, these bigger leaps forward in technology and everything else, I've been fortunate enough to be able to apply those skills to a variety of different industries and really fell in love with grocery. And my business partner, a lot of the people on our team, we actually met where they were coming right out of school. I, I was on an advisory board at Rochester Institute of Technology. We highly leveraged their co-op program there. And in 2002, my, my co-founder, Kartik, was just finishing his master's degree at RIT. And we met and worked together uh, in a company that I was working at then. And we, we founded a company coming out of that. And so as we've evolved where we want to be, you know, we were able to just fortunately come into Rochester is a hotbed of, you know, grocery. Certainly there's grocery. grocer that runs out of there that is probably, you know, you know, regarded as the top grocer in the world there. And so we were able to see and experience how it really could be and then try to take those lessons and apply them in micro levels across the entire industry. So as you can tell, probably we, we love the industry. We've really developed a passion, but the industry has also embraced us because we've brought ideas and techniques and methodologies that didn't exist in grocery. It certainly didn't exist in the small grocery space, you know, even two or three years ago. Very good. And uh, let me ask you this. What, what is the actual elevator pitch for the company? Like now that I, now that I, I'm, I'm circling back to the elevator pitch. Tell us, tell us what Fresh Shop actually does. Yeah. So we power online grocery and digital engagement for any grocer. And so what we allow somebody to do is very quickly take their entire 25,000 products put them up on the web and we're putting the great pictures and categorization and search and tie to recipes, all that kind of stuff in there. And being able to uh, let a consumer come in and look at even a single store uh, in Alaska who maybe has 3,000 people in their service area have exactly the same horsepower as an Amazon or a Walmart or anything like that. 
but being able to do that personal touch. So Are we're, you like the Shopify of grocery in a way? No, uh, Shopify is about it, it, just the fact that you asked that question is why we're not. The Shopify brand is first and foremost. That's what people go to. Like you go to those big marketplaces to be able to buy the products and and the, the retailer is almost secondary to Shopify. You go to Shopify to okay. find all these different products. Um, you'll never see on any of our sites powered by Fresh Shop. There's okay. a consumer would never see our brand. We truly believe that the independent grocer can't have anybody between them and their consumer. If they do, they're, you're just training them to go to Amazon. Okay. Uh, so what we're really trying to do is enable that independent to, without having to you know, give credit over to ourselves or anybody else, to be able to say, listen, I have all the same services that everybody else has, but I'm putting on top of that this amazing personalization and uh, hometown feel and everything else that has made independence relevant. Very, very interesting. Are you looking at all at um, clickable video uh, in, in terms of your, your next iterations? We do. We have video incorporated all through our websites. Uh, we get those directly from a lot of different manufacturers. So, you know, right now you could go to any one of our consume, our customers' websites. And if you were browsing the product catalog, um, you know, Clorox has a whole series of things about, about coronavirus. Here's how you disinfect things and everything else. So they were able to, you know, have content out there about disinfecting services and everything else. And people can go because that's a real concern to them. And you might have something else out there that's recipes or, or anything. And then in those videos, as you said, clickable videos, what's really changed is people don't just consume this 30-minute behemoth instruction video. They want to interact with that video. And so at any point during that video, there may be a click that takes you out to a recipe or, you know, here's how to buy that product. Uh, you know, so some of it's product discovery. And I think a lot of it is, you know, if you think about how people use their phones and you look at these short duration videos and tweets and everything else. It's not that people really want tiny pieces of content. It's that people are constantly searching for something that interests them. And they don't want to invest 30 minutes and then decide what's interesting. We've changed from that where now, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest 15 seconds and then I'm ready to move on to something else. Okay. My, my last question about the business and then I want to get into Brian the Human for a second. Uh, let's talk about the name Fresh Shop. Where did the name come from? And the reason I asked the question is based on what you said the business is, I don't understand why the word, the implied word, either fresh or free, whichever way you decide that, you know, the, the, the first part of your name comes from as just an outsider looking at it has to do with what you do. So I'm interested in where, the etymology of the name and then why it's in green. It's actually a contraction of fresh and shop. Okay. And so there's nothing about free. We certainly are not, you know, a value platform. And most of our retailers don't think in that context either. You know, if it was all about price, Walmart would have won long ago, and they right. haven't. So it's really about fresh and shopping and bringing those two things together. And that's one thing that grocery does that's very different from every other shopping experience where you have something that when you order it to the time that you pick it up, you can't get something that was on the shelf right there because by the time right. you went to the store, it would have been spoiled. Yeah. That's a really different thought process from most e-commerce where, you know, they've ordered things from China. It's coming over in a container and the things that they're selling today, they ordered three months ago and they're going to ship them out the door. So it's really talking about how does fresh impact the shopper. And certainly that's been a big defensive part for the grocery stores that having frozen hot, cold, in the store makes it very difficult for an Amazon to ship things around cost-effectively to be able to do that. But in the end, our platform is really about shopping. 
And so it's it's getting that out there. We have a little bit more latitude because we're not a consumer-facing brand. So our, our name, as you see around the show, has a ton of recognition. But outside of the ecosystem of grocery or specialty retail, nobody's going to really know who we are. Yeah. So Gotcha. One thing I'd, I'd really like to highly recommend is that, you know, if you're a grocer out there and you're trying to figure out how can I be more topical in my industry, joining the NGA, coming and participating in this and the fall leadership program where, you know, this is, you know, it's a trade show. You can walk around here on the, the expo floor. It's open from nine to one today. Yesterday it was open from noon to five. And you think, wow, it's all about selling and products and services that people have. But the NGA show, outside of those times, it's all educational information. There's no sales pitches going on anywhere else. And unlike almost every other trade show that I go to, it's open from 9 to 1 right now. There's nothing else open. There's no educational tracks that are going on right now. So this is the, hey, come and see the service providers and the vendors and the CPGs and see what you can buy. But for the rest of the time, this floor hall is closed. There's no selling going on. It's all about education. So if you're out there sitting on your little island in the middle of Iowa and you wonder, like, how can I be more topical? How do I how do I compete with an Amazon and a Walmart and all these other big players are out there that are running and kicking down my doors? And then how do I deal with the Aldis and Trader Joe's coming in and Dollar General? Come to the NGA show participate in just the educational programs and listen to what is that single store independent in Alaska doing that you could use, that you could use today. Yeah. So that's what I'd really like to say to people. Great. Thanks. All right. And uh, before we close out, I always like to finish off our, our conversation with a little bit about you as a human, a little more on the personal side. Uh, what is a website that you go to now on a regular basis in your free time that might surprise people that, that know you? I think the first website that I really, you know, when I first started out on computers, it was bulletin boards and, you know, auto, even when I was working at NSA, we still had, you know, the, the old modems, 1200, 24, yeah. 20, you know, 9600. I remember when 9600 baud modems came out and I thought, gosh, you know, what are you going to do? And I was working at the National Security Agency at the time and thought how awesome it was that you could get that super fast. And it's just laughably slow today and how you would get stuff. I think the first website I really did, uh, I learned to hang glide when I was in the Army in Germany and, wow. and really enjoyed doing that. And I remember going to uh, early days of the Internet and World Wide Web when it was, you know, it really kind of meant something different than the Internet. It was with a graphical interface where you could see things. And I went to a website that talked about uh, new techniques and new kites that were coming out in, in hang gliding and what people could do. And you go from this text base, here's what I can see, or a manual, to being able to see pictures and stories. And it really brought hang gliding to life. And I had two of my friends who worked at the agency, um, uh, uh, Lorna and Bob Selby. Unfortunately, Lorna just passed away here at the end of 2019. Um, you know, at the time she was 60-something. You know, she passed in her late 80s. And, and so she lived a really full life, but she saw that website and, you know, she was an Arab linguist and really conservative lady, fell in love with the idea of hang gliding from that website. And she and her husband in her 60s took their first hang gliding lesson up in Pennsylvania. And so I not only watched how it affected me, but it took somebody who didn't have any technical acumen or anything else but was able to see something fresh and new. It wasn't a book from two years ago that was published. It was like, you know, hang gliding happening today. And then they took that leap and went out and did it. And so it really 
gave me an idea of the impact of timely, topical, well-presented information. And the internet, in many ways, has not changed at all between you know then and now, and and what people do. So. And and what you would look at these days that might surprise people would it be the hang, still your interest in hang gliding, or people know not enough that that wouldn't surprise them? Yeah, no, I, I'm like everybody, my my. My thoughts and processes, you know, and how I look at different things go. So uh, one of the things that I, I'd say that is probably a little bit goofy is I, I use some of the techniques that I know to be able to hide myself on the Internet and move around. And the only reason I do that is so that I can browse a couple of different European news sites as a European. Oh, right. You know, yeah. What a difference that makes. Yeah. BBC is, is my favorite. I, I really like BBC World News and being able to look at BBC bbc.co.uk as somebody in the United Kingdom. If you look at bbc.com, you see a very US-centric view and even maybe what the BBC thinks Americans want to see. And having lived all over the world and and been a part of the global community, it's really important for me to see how do other people see us, but I think more importantly, how do other people see the world? And it's really impacted how I do the web. My business partner and I, Kartik, when we're, we're driving in the car, is usually where we come up with our big ideas. And the one thing that we've really come down to on everything that we do is we have to remember that in almost every piece of code that we write or business solution or anything else, we're not actually the customer. You know, I'm not the key demographic for online shopping. So the only way for me to write a good platform or to, uh, you know, to talk to a retailer about here's how you should do this is to get in the heads of people that are totally outside of my comfort zone and my what I can see and then figure out how do I bridge that gap. And yeah. in some small way, we've been hugely successful in tapping into that. That's a great answer. Thank you very much. Uh, how can people connect with the things that you're doing if they're able to reach out to you directly or, or through Fresh Shop and so forth? Yeah, we're a very connected company. So... Uh, the simplest way is my cell phone, 585-738-6035. That's what's on my business card. If I'm not in a meeting or not on a flight, I'll answer the phone. And we're happy to talk to people about, you know, how things can work, how they can get things done. And sometimes it's it's an idea that we're actually able to incorporate into our platform. And a lot of times it's just developing those that community uh, where you know, a lot of times sharing things over Twitter and Facebook and everything else doesn't give you that nuance of just still picking up the phone, chatting through something, and then you can finish that conversation out there. Certainly FreshUp.com is the, the primary way people would reach us. But Very good. All right. Well, Brian Moyer, the CEO of FreshUp, a very cool company that I'm sure has got a lot more chapters in its book. Uh, thank you very much for making time. I know you've been a very busy guy over your booth and speaking and everything like that. So thanks a lot. Great. Thank you, Mark. All I right, appreciate and, you having and me. Best of continued luck. All right. You as well. All right. That's it uh, for this discussion on location in San Diego, California at NGA. Thank you so much for listening. really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day. This has been Grocery is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.